as some of you know, I've been back to Pennsylvania for a family reunion, and we were um, in the mountains uh, up until we left there Sunday and got in here Sunday evening. But uh, I wasn't planning to go on that trip. My son kind of pulled my leg. He told the family he was going to hog tie me to get me there if he had to. But um, uh, I was the eldest of the immediate family. I had a brother-in-law there that's a little older. But um, we had a good time. I had a good time and got to see my two living sisters that live there, one in Ohio and one in Pennsylvania. And so we had a good trip, had a safe trip there. I don't know what that was. But it wasn't important, evidently. All right, we're ask you again to take your little outline I gave you as a handout uh, for the churches because some folks are wondering probably how comes it's taken us so long to get through Revelation. Well, you have to realize that these first two chapters are actually three chapters. Chapters two and three. Cover a period of 2,000 years. And then the rest of the book only covers seven years. <laughs> so uh, you can see that uh, it will pick up some when we get into chapter four. Uh, but if you have your uh, little handout, you'll notice that we're in the uh, fifth church, that being the church of Sardis. And uh, Sardis is known to be the dead church, and we'll say more about that later. Sardis is the um, name means those escaping, and it covers the time in church history of the Reformation, beginning about 17 or 1500 and going into about 1750. And this is the rise of the state church, and that's why it's a dead church. Uh, if you know anything about Sardis, you know that it's a, a fertile valley about 30 miles southeast of Thyatira. And uh, we looked at that last week, of course. It was a, um, a, a church that was a very, uh, or a city rather, that was very, wealthy at one time. In fact, it was one of the wealthiest cities in the world. At that time, it was the capital of Lydia, and uh, this is back about 600 B.C., uh, but uh, it is certainly not that as we pick it up in tonight's lesson. Uh, it uh, is a small, much smaller place today. Today, the, the city is still there, it's the city of Sart, S-A-R-T in Turkey, Sart, Turkey. And um, it's a uh, still a somewhat thriving community. Uh, it means, Sardis means escaping or those who come out. And again, it covers the Reformation period. So it begins about the 1500s and goes up to about 1750. Uh, it's a time of very much 
spiritual darkness. The outstanding men of the Reformation, of course, you remember uh, from your history, Luther, Knox, Wycliffe, Zwingli, uh, of those, uh, of course, they look to Luther as a leader. I like Wycliffe better. And uh, also, uh, the cause of the Reformation uh, was, uh, was not so much, I don't believe, uh, Luther as it was the printing press. The printing press had been discovered before this and it began to print. And of course, the first thing printed was the Bible. And the Word of God began to be uh, available. Uh, not everybody had a Bible, but uh, certainly a lot more <coughs> during this time had the Bible. And uh, that is a great asset uh, to uh, reforming, and that's what it was, a reforming. The official date of the Reformation is October 31st, 1517. That is the time when Luther nailed his 95 theses to the uh, church door there at uh, Wittenberg in Germany. And he had the backing of a, the German government. And uh, that's what allowed him to get by with what he was doing, else he would have, have certainly suffered a very cruel death uh, otherwise. In fact, they would have liked to have killed him, I'm sure. I'm speaking of the Roman Catholic Church. Uh, he did not leave the Roman Catholic Church. None of these reformers did. They were thrown out. I would have a lot more respect for them if had they resigned and left but they, they stayed in. They wanted to reform it. And, uh, of course, that's where to get the name the Reformation. They, they were reformers. They were trying to reform something that had no life in it, really. You can't raise the dead. I don't care who you are. But uh, the Reformation began at this time and, of course, ended about 1750 as we begin next week's lesson in that period of time. The author, let's look now at the author. The author, it says in verse 1, and let's look at that. Now we're in chapter 3 and verse number 1. And in fact, several of the main points is taken out of this, taken out of this first uh, verse. And I'm in Hebrews. That won't work. i got to get back. I told you, I, I never had jet lag in my life. And... Yet I think I have it this time. I, I've been going to bed that went with the chickens and getting up with the chickens. Uh, those 80-some chickens we have are uh, getting heavy. All right. The, the uh, Verse 1 of chapter 3. And unto the angel of the church in Sardis write these things, saith he that hath the seven spirits of God, and the seven stars. I know thy works, that thou hast a name, that thou livest and art dead. I said this was the dead church. And Christ says it's a dead church. That's why I say it's a dead church. Uh, many people uh, here come out of a uh, Protestant church. A Protestant church protested uh, coming out of the Catholics, they're Protestants. The Reformation were out of the Catholic. Uh, we're Baptists. 
We never came out of the, out of the Catholic Church. Uh, our ancestry goes back to the time of Christ. That's why we use the Bible. That's why the, the, the Baptists have been so prevalent in our country's history. Uh, I lived for a number of years in Virginia. And of course, Virginia uh, is one of the colonial states and had the uh, governor's house uh, in uh, Williamsburg, Virginia. And that, of course, was the capital uh, of England in the United States. At that time, England reached from the Atlantic to about the middle of the country, really. They didn't have anybody out there, but they were claiming it. Uh, had to fight the French for it. I was in the country, by the way, where we had a reunion, uh, Fort Necessity, that's the fort of the uh, uh, French and Indian War. Uh, the government fought, uh, not our government, we were part of England then, but they fought a war against France and they had the Indians on their side and we had some on our side, but they call it the French and Indian War against England. And where I was at was a Fort Necessity, which is uh, the history of that little fort was where George Washington, as a, uh, where he was a captain and later a colonel, uh, in the British Army, serving under General Braddock. Braddock was wounded, and his, semi, his, his uh, burial place is just down the pike, as they call it, Route 40. That's the first uh, highway, the government highway, turnpike made of mud, toll booths about every few miles. You had to pay the ride in that mud. Uh, history back there really was changed. Um, the, the think of having to stay in the uh, hotel two nights, not because you liked it so much, but because you had a wagon of goods and you took it on that turnpike <laughs> made of mud and you could only get so far in a day, so you'd walk back and stay a second night before you got out of the area. Uh, that's a, it's strange country, uh, but uh, it, it was uh, my history of my time whenever I was a kid and brought back a lot of memories as I was back here uh, this week. Uh, but this um, uh, church here had a name that it was alive, but it was dead. And I want you to notice in verse number one there he says, and to the angel. Now we've already identified that angel as the pastor. Uh, we we um, get a lesson here. Uh, what caused this church to be a dead church was uh, they didn't honor their pastors. Uh, the, the Protestant churches, the Reformation churches were state churches. And the state churches, uh, most of them are run by a church board. The only place you find a board in the New Testament is the one they grabbed hold of when the ship went down, when Paul, Paul's boat went under uh, on his way to Rome. That's the only board. Uh, the, the, the organization of the New Testament church is Christ is the head, the shepherd, the under-shepherd is the pastor, 
and the pastor is given deacons to, as his servants, as his helpers, uh, to take care of the things that would free him for prayer and Bible study. And so uh, that's the officers in the church. And this letter is written to the pastor of the church there at, F, at uh, Sardis. And it says to the angel of the church at Sardis, write these things. Now here's how the, the uh, author is identified. He that hath the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. Again, the stars of the pastor, the seven churches, the seven stars, pastor of each church, and the seven spirits. The seven spirits is speaking not about seven different spirits, but about the Holy Spirit, as we discussed back in chapter 1, verse 4. Uh, it's speaking of the ministry and the power and the work of the Holy Spirit and its, and its completeness and its perfection. And so this is who it's addressed to. Christ would have this church of Sardis to know that, that his desire was to control his church by the effectual work of the Holy Spirit, not by programs. Programs are good. Church organization is good. That's what programs produce. But they're not in scripture. That's not scripture. That's man's adaptation. That's man's method. And, and you know, to our way of thinking, that's the way to go. I mean, who wants to have a pastor? Uh, well, you know, uh, independent Baptist churches, their pastors are often referred to as dictators. Well, he's just a dictator. No, he's not. If he is, God will take care of him. Believe me, God's, it's God's church. And he can take care of the pastor, believe me. But the pastor is an office that should be respected. And if it's not, you're going to end up having a dead church. Now, you think about it. Now, don't get upset with me. I know a lot of you from Protestant backgrounds and so forth. And, and you think highly of a church board and a church uh, governed by a church board and uh, like this. And you call a pastor. You hire him every couple of years like you do a, a janitor or something. Uh, that's not the way the New Testament church is laid out, friends. That's not what God meant to have in organization. I spent a lot of years uh, in uh, different types of churches. I was raised in the Grace Brethren Church. That's not a Protestant church. The Grace Brethren's history comes out of the Baptists. The German Brethren Baptist is the origin of the Grace Brethren churches. That's why their doctrines are so much similar to that of Baptists. That's why they have salvation. That's why they teach salvation by grace and grace alone. And, and uh, they are different in the Lord's Supper. They observe what you call a threefold communion. They call it communion. The proper name is Lord's Supper, not communion. That's a Catholic terminology brought over again. A lot of these terms you get so used to, you use them even in a Baptist church. Uh, like calling Sunday the Sabbath. It's not the Sabbath. It's the first day of the week. It's the Lord's Day. And so uh, here's a church that had problems. It came out of the Catholic, but it didn't come out far enough. 
That was the problem. You look at the Lutheran church. Baby baptism. Where they get that? They don't get that in the Bible. You get that out of the Catholic church. That's, it's so simple when you just go by the Bible. Now, it, it does make some folks upset. It always has. And this church, it, we're going to see the, 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 the ones who were serving God here are few. And we've always been few. Kind of like the oddballs. Peculiar people. We who follow the scriptures. We who are saved and believe in salvation by grace and grace alone. And eternal salvation. Those things are, are what taught in the scriptures. All right, now I want to get off of that hobby horse and get back to this. We'll never get done. All right. These things saith he that hath the seven spirits of God in the seven stars. I know thy works, that thou hast a name, that thou livest and art dead. Now think about it. This church had a name that it lived. And I mean to tell you, it had works. He knew they had works. They were a real beehive of activity. The only problem is they were programs and and not scriptural teachings. Not following the scriptures, but following an organization. An organization set up by a board or a group of people. Last week we read about Jezebel who called herself a prophetess and who uh, took over the leadership. And that was the beginning, as we said last week, of the Catholic Church. And, and now we have the Reformation. And they come out, but they didn't come out. They got thrown out, and they wanted to keep as much as stuff as they could. They had baby baptism, baptismal regeneration. Now, this started before this period. Baptism of regeneration goes back to one of the earliest heresies, uh, back to about the second century. But it's practice in these churches. You take the Catholic Church has no salvation. Uh, they have a plan. You know, uh, first of all, you're baptized as a baby to make you a member of that church. That's why they baptize babies. They think they're doing a work of grace. They're getting them into the church. Now, that doesn't mean you're saved. That just gets you into church. And, and you have a chance, though, to get saved if you're in that Catholic church. So don't let them throw you out. If they throw you out, excommunicate you, then you're damned for hell because only Catholics, they believe, can be saved. And then only after purgatory, and now they've done away with that, so they have something else, I'm sure, to, to extend it. That really hurt their, their offerings, I'm sure, when they got rid of purgatory. But anyhow, uh, he, had, he admonished them because they had a name that they lived, but they were dead. You ever see maybe some artificial flowers? Now, out here, 
I'm a firm believer in artificial flowers. My wife had some flowers planted and they've all died and withered up. Now she has artificial flowers and and those you have to change every couple of years because else they'll look about like this shirt. They'll be bleached out, won't they look? But with an artificial flower, I've seen orchids and that, that, that I'd have to actually walk up and test them to see if they were not real. But that's the way this church was. It looked real. It had a lot of works, a lot of activity. But God said it was dead. And it was dead, believe me. It was dead. I turned the page the wrong way. The eyes of Christ are never deceived. People can be confused. I think of David back when he was a shepherd's boy. Samson, you remember, came and to anoint the next king. And he went to Jesse's house and had the direction of God and He says, uh, I'm here to anoint your son as king. Oh, he thought, oh man, I got this big strap of a young man. I mean, he is is good with the sheep. He's a leader. And he said, no, that's not him. And he went down the list. No, that's not him. And he said, well, I don't know what we're going to do. And he said, don't you have any more kids? He said, well, we're just a boy out here tending the sheep. He said, well, bring him in here. And that was David. And David was anointed. He was anointed king because it says there, let me read it to you so I get it correct. The Lord seeth not as man seeth, For man looketh on the outward appearance, but the Lord looketh on the heart. That's in 1 Samuel 16, 7. God looks on the heart. He looked on the heart of this church and he says, you may look like you're alive and you may think you are alive, but you're dead. And he says further, he says, I have not found thy works perfect before me. Your works are not perfect. Perfect here means they were, they were not finished, they were not complete or fulfilled. The church was actually a living lie. The members were physically alive but spiritually dead. State church. A state church. Uh, I wonder if you know the difference between appearance and reality. Sometimes we're fooled. I can be fooled with an artificial flower, and I'm sure a whole lot of things have fooled me, but nothing ever fools God. He knows all things. Well, he does not make any mistakes. These people, they drew near to God with their mouth and with their lips. They honored God, but they, they, were, they were far from it. Their hearts were cold and, and distant. They were not God's children. Uh, we're, you know, I used to do this. I, I got a lot of folks mad at me. <laughs> I pastored for a lot of years, and I wasn't always the 
pastor loved the most. I wish I'd have done a lot better when I first started out. I was what the independent Baptists call a snake killer. <laughs> I mean, they popped their head up, whack, that's it. Throw them out the door. I'd tell folks, you know, they'd give me a hard time. I said, listen, it's easier for you to move your letter than me my furniture. <laughs> I got over that after a while, praise God. My wife kept telling me, you can't do that. My sister-in-law come up from Arkansas, and she said, boy, he is mean. I don't see why anybody go hear him preach. And, uh, but I used to do this. And I think this, there's nothing wrong with this. So I kind of kept it. I used to tell folks, you know, you know, t- today on TV they have this thing where you put your finger or two fingers and get your heart beat. You can see your health of your heart. How healthy is your heart? Guy says, you know, your car has gauges. And I, uh, what about your heart? Well, let me tell you something. Tonight, I could show you a picture of your heart. You men just reach in your back pocket and you get this thing out. They call a billfold. You ladies get in your purse and you get out your billfold. Now how's that a picture of your heart? Where your treasure is, there's where your heart's also. If I look in your checkbook and uh, I see I kind of trace your money how much comes in and how much goes out but where it goes out to well got a new fishing pole a couple years ago I bought a boat and let's see I buy my fishing license I can tell you love fishing. That's nothing wrong with that. But if that's all you have in there, there's something wrong with that. If you don't find in your your financial records regular contributions to the work of God and to the things of God, something's wrong with your heart. So that's a picture of your heart. Now, now, God saw a picture of these people's heart, and, and it wasn't good. Because he doesn't look on the outward part, he looks upon, he looks on the inward part. But now he has an approval. Notice, let's just catch up here on our verses. Verse 2, be watchful and strengthen the things which remain that are ready to die, for I have not found thy works perfect before God. Remember, therefore, how thou uh, hast uh, received and, and uh, heard. Now, now think of that. Don't, don't get too fast past that. Remember what? The things you've received and heard. That's why it's so important to get into the house of God. Listen to the word of God taught, the word of God preached. It's so important that you're faithful and don't forget it. He says, remember it. So they've had to have it. And hold fast and repent. 
Hold fast to that which you believe. And repent when you find yourself slacking. If therefore thou shalt not watch, I will come to thee as a thief, and thou shalt not know what hour I will come upon thee. Thou hast a few names. Now we're going to come back to that in a moment. But look at verse 4. Thou hast a few names, not very many, a few, that's a small amount, small number, a few names even in Sardis, which have not defiled their garments. They're, they're talking about the, the garments to the body is like habits to the soul. But he's talking about the, your life. You've not defiled it. You've not spotted your testimony. You have a testimony for the Lord. You're, you're living proper. And there are a few here like that that are still there living and walking with the Lord. And he says, you haven't defiled your garments and they shall walk with me in white for they are worthy. Those who uh, walked the straight and narrow. You remember in Matthew 7, when the Lord talks about the broad way that leads to destruction, the narrow way that leads to righteousness and to heaven and, and living the right path, walking the right way. There's not too many of them on. That's why the, the other way is broad. That's why uh, uh, gospel preaching churches, Christians who have a testimony, they, they're kind of like an odd duck in this world we live in. I mean, this world, uh, as I said a, a week or so ago, uh, I like to sing this, uh, that song, This World Is Not My Home. I'm just a passing through. High treasures are laid up. You know, the only thing you take to heaven is what you send to heaven. People's always asking, like Howard Hughes and these people that had all this money. Well, how much did they leave? It's very simple. They left it all. <laughs> they left it all. The only thing you're going to have in heaven is what you send ahead. That's why the Bible tells you in Matthew 6 to lay up your treasures in heaven. There's a the wise investor. The one who lays up treasures in heaven. You may not have much in this world. But this world's not your home. You're just like I am. You're just passing through. And uh, what, a, what a beautiful story it is there in, in, in Matthew where he tells them how to, to, to walk that straight and narrow way. The Lord is never deceived. Uh, the, the Reformation uh, raised up a group of men uh, who came out again, but they didn't come out far enough. And state churches uh, were organized. Uh, denominationalism took place uh, with its sacraments and, for, and, and its formalities and ceremonies and, and uh, all the things that they do and, and uh, they practice. But uh, that's not Christianity. Christianity is a matter of the heart. 
state churches. You say, we have any here? We're sure you do. You, you read the history of your country. You know, we, we like to talk about the pilgrims and then the Puritans who followed. The pilgrims were a little better. The, uh, the, um, the pilgrims were the, 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 the closest to being right. But what's wrong with them? Well, they had a, most of them had a Church of England background and they had that state church. You weren't a pilgrim. You were an outcast. And, that, and the churches were like that. And the first part of this country, the Presbyterians had their little section. The Lutherans had their little section. And in Pennsylvania, where I'm from, uh, if you weren't a Catholic, nine times out of ten, you were a Lutheran because the German people really settled that part of the country. And the Germans, as a rule, were Lutherans. And uh, uh, the, the English were Methodists. Methodists, by the way, was not a church. The Methodists started out as a prayer meeting within the Church of England. John Wesley and his brother and others uh, met for prayer. They were wanting to reform the Church of England, just like their predecessors were trying to reform the Catholic Church. They didn't do any better than they did because the Methodists at one time, I've preached, I've got to confess, I've preached in a Methodist church. He said, oh my goodness, hey, don't get shook up. Paul preached in a synagogue. Hey, he preached in a Jewish church. But I preached in Leesburg where I started the first church I started there up in, in the D.C. area. The one that's on the news all the time, Loudoun County, all that money and all that filth and, and uh, you know, school boards. And, I'll just forget that. Anyhow, I started a church there and I was having folks from all over the county began to get saved and come into our church, and of course, people got to talking. At that time, Leesburg had a population of 7,000. Now it's about 100,000. But uh, anyhow, at that time, it was small, and so the word got out. There was a young preacher boy. I call him a preacher boy because uh, he was a Methodist student preacher who was sent a little circuit out there as part of his training to be a, a, a bona fide pastor. Uh, he had to take these little country mountain churches. And he had a church that started 200 years ago or whatever, you know, it was an old, old church, old church. First property the Methodists ever owned in this country was in Leesburg, Virginia. And so they have an old history there. This Methodist preacher talked to some of the people that were coming to our church, and they said, well, do you think he'd come out and preach for us? 
And they never thought, they laughed when they asked me. They said, oh, preacher, I knew you'd never do it. But he said, that crazy preacher said, he wants you to come out there and preach. I said, well, let's think about it. We have some stipulations. We bring our songbooks because they'd already taken the blood out of theirs. We had to have our song leader, our songbooks. I did all the preaching. And he could come, but he had to sit there like everybody else and listen. The preacher I'm talking about. He agreed. Man, or day I think I baptized 14 people out of that service in our church. Not into that Methodist church. Now his bishop got word of that. He threatened to cut his shirt tails off because... He says, you don't do that. You don't let those fundamentalists get in these churches. And he got chewed out. But anyhow, I preached there and had a, had a, had a great meeting. People got saved. Hey, I preached the Bible. When you preach the Bible, people will get saved. I don't care if you're in a, a Catholic church or a whatever kind of church. Now, I don't think the Catholics are up to asking me to come. But, but, uh, but if they did, I'd go if they had no restrictions. We'd had all of our own personal workers. That's another thing. I said, now, when folks are going to be coming forward, he said, what's that? I said, well, I'm going to give an invitation for folks to come get saved. He said, there'll be some folks come forward. This is such an old church that had a slave loft. Up above, back in the churches were segregated, but the Baptists allowed them to come, and they had a, a separate place for them to be. But, but he, um, he couldn't understand that. He got a lesson. I don't know. I'm ho- I was hoping he'd become a Baptist. I don't know if he ever did or not, but uh, he didn't last too long. But this church was a church that had some approval. It had some works. But they were a dead church nonetheless. But thank God for the few. Thank God for the few that were there in that church and stayed faithful and, and kept faithful. Uh, not, uh, uh, those who Christ approved were uh, the ones uh, in Sardis who had kept themselves again unspotted from the world. Uh, they were walking as Christians should walk. They had a testimony. They had been saved by grace as the only way to be saved. There's a lot of people in this church that maybe thought they were saved. They had their name on the church roll. They had been baptized. And, and they had done all these good works they were doing. But they weren't saved. There were just a few of them that were truly saved And God knew who those few were, and he was faithful to those few. Uh, Those who Christ approved uh, were were his children. And uh, their garments are, are are again, to the body, uh, like uh, habits are to the soul. Uh, The Christians must exercise care about the uh, wardrobe of their soul. they must put on. Uh, you ought to go back to Colossians, just a couple pages back. Uh, you'll find a book, little book of Colossians. 
And in Colossians, there's a passage of scripture beginning in chapter 3 and verse 8. And it talks about uh, the Christian, how he needs to put on and put off. As certain things you need to put on. Verse 10 it says, and have, have uh, put on the new man. That's the first thing. And then verse 12, put on therefore uh, the elect of God, those who are saved, holy and beloved, bowels, uh, 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 bowels of mercy, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering. Again, this is Colossians uh, chapter 3. And just going down through there, you'll see these uh, verses. And then you drop down uh, a little bit further, and it tells you about the things to put off. And uh, we're, we're to be careful about what we put on and what we put off as children of God. We need to have the kind of testimony that these few had here uh, in this city uh, that we're looking at this evening. Now, uh, I want to get back to this, this side over here. And I want to go back. I mentioned I'd come back to that uh, one verse, uh, one chapter uh, there uh, back in... Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. No, I haven't marked. I'm in the wrong book. That's why I can't find it. Uh, in, in Revelation there, go back there and notice when it says, I told you I was suffering from jet lag, didn't I? Go to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. It's talking here about uh, those who, uh, you know, need to be looking for the coming of the Lord. And it's saying how that... uh, uh, in verse 3 it says here I will come on thee as a thief and, and, and thou shalt not know what hour I will come upon thee he's talking to these uh, who were in the church but were not doing right and they need to be challenged to live right now if you go back to uh, again just a few pages you'll find a little book of First uh, Thessalonians Thessalonians was a group of Christians that really, truly, they suffered for the cause of Christ. They suffered greatly in their, in their ministry. But it says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 2, For yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. Now, you read this passage, and we're not take time. I don't know what to do with that watch. There it is, way over there. I can't even see it from there. You'll have to wait till I hobble. My wife gives me this to use, and uh, yeah, I thought so. My time is going by, but it tells them about. Him coming as a thief in the night and them not ready. That's not talking about the child of God. That's talking about those who are not saved. You know why I say that? Because you go on down through here and you'll find out. Uh, let's see verse 2. 
uh, of, of chapter 5, know perfectly that the day of the Lord shall come as a, as a thief in the night. For when they shall say, Peace and safety, then sudden destruction cometh upon them, as to travail upon a woman with child, and they shall not escape. But ye are not in darkness, talking to Christians. Now listen, ye are not in darkness, that that day should overtake you as a thief. Ye are all the children of light, and the children of the day. We are not of the night nor of darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as do others, but let us watch and be sober. For they that sleep, sleep in the night, and they that be drunken are drunken in the night. But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and, and a helmet, the hope of salvation, for God hath not appointed us to wrath, but unto obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, that whereas we wake or sleep, we should live together with him. Wherefore, comfort yourself uh, together and edify one another, uh, even as also ye do. And we beseech you, brethren, to know them that labor among you. Uh, have fellowship. Know one another. Encourage one another. Uh, the Lord's coming. And he's coming for the lost people like a thief. But for we who are saved, we can be ready and looking for that day. Uh, expecting the Lord to come. That's the, the blessed hope of the child of God is not to be in heaven, but that's a surety, but to be alive and caught up to be with the Lord when he comes back for his church. That's the blessed hope. And we are to encourage one another. Uh, we are to live our life uh, in a way that is pleasing uh, unto the Lord. His appeal uh, in, in the last part of his passage says to be watchful, and strengthen the things which remain that are ready to die, in verse 2. To be watchful, to be on guard, to be as a watchman on a, on, on a guard duty, to be looking out. Christ did not come upon his waiting bride as a thief. Don't think that. He does not come that way. For it says, for your for yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord is uh, cometh as a thief in the night. But ye, brethren, are not in darkness that the day should overtake you uh, as a thief. Uh, he's coming again. Uh, next week we're going to look at the Church of Philadelphia. It's a, a great church. You know, we have a privilege, most of us who are here, of living during that period of time. You think about it. That time went from about uh, 1750 up to about 1950. It's getting close, isn't it? How many of you all are here in 1950? Surely more than that. Has that been that long ago? 
I tell you what, I told the folks at the reunion, I know I'm getting old, half my kids are on Social Security. <laughs> That's the truth. And I guess 1950s, 1950s, that's what, 70 years? Yeah, I guess it is. Yeah, yeah. Well, you missed out. <laughs> we, who, we who were here and lived during that time lived during the age of the Philadelphian church. Sad to say we're all living now. I hope we are. And uh, that, of course, is the Laodicean church age which we don't want to brag about that. But we'll talk about it when we get there. I, I trust you understand is, these lessons have not drug out because it's important for you to know the different churches and the ch- different age of the church. This is 2,000 years we're talking about. And now we're getting up to some of our day. And uh, when you think of the Reformation... You think all the good that was done. And it was good. And by the way, I've known a lot of sweet Christians who are in these denominational churches. Not very many. They're very few. I have to say, just like the Lord said, they're few. But I've known some. And they're sweet people. But it's beyond me how they can stay in a church that would unite with the National Council of Churches and the World Council of Churches, and, 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 and just what a mess. And yet these state churches are in that today as a whole, most all of them. And sad to say, some of the Baptists, and let me say this about the so-called Baptists, Today, the fad is to change their name to community church or fellow. Thank God they did it. <laughs> I'm happy to see them do that. I get sick and tired of trying to explain why they're so sorry in their practices and their teachings. They're not Baptists anymore. I said, well, they ain't Baptists. Don't tell, talk about them. I mean, Baptists have enough house cleaning to do. But today it's the fad of even many of the Baptist churches to uh, you have these same doctrines and teachings and this same uh, getting along together. If people says everything good about me, I've compromised somewhere, I'll guarantee you. I don't know what I got here. Maybe I got... I hope I did the right church tonight. (laughs) All right, let's have a word of prayer. Father, we thank you, Lord, for this time.